understanding that there is a deep spiritual battle going on. And that our weapons, they're not carnal, but they have to be spiritual. Because the warfare is not carnal or fleshly, but spiritual. And uh, then again, he's, he's getting into his authority to be able to speak to this church. And you might be thinking, why does Paul even care? Like, why not just leave the Corinthians behind? They obviously have disrespected him. And they, you know, they've taken on a liking to uh, flashy, much more uh, appealing to the eye um, apostles that have kind of risen risen up through the ranks. And so... Why does he even care? It's because he loves them. It's going to be continuing on in that into uh, chapter 11. Let's pray and we'll get started. God, we thank you for your word this morning. And we pray that you'd speak to us uh, by your word. And we'd be able to hear from you. And we would uh, just be open to what you want to teach us and and show us and guide us and direct us. Lord, so we pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. That we would be... um, just live our lives and, and come before you with open hands, allowing you to do what you want to do in us, knowing full well that you are so much better at taking care of us than we are. You are so much more faithful than we could possibly be. You can see the beginning from the end. You can cause the Red Sea to part. You can have food rain down from the heavens. <laughs> and so God, help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you to not look to the right, to the left, but to stay right there, right on you. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, do you guys love Richie? Isn't he great? Yeah, isn't he great? Yeah. Most of you have heard, but we go way back. Me and Richie go way back, right, Rich? Yeah. <laughs> She's, he saw the uh, newly saved Chris Fick. Um, so he got some stories probably right Richie I don't know maybe not who knows but uh but yeah we go way back and I just love that we've been able to do and be in the ministry stuff and we get to kind of cross paths here and there he's at Calvary Marietta and uh, I've gotten to do a bunch of stuff over there throughout the years and then we've done camps together throughout uh, just so much stuff and so it's such a blessing to have friends in the ministry that are solid and are just gifted worship leader and you should hear him play the drums right just bring him up no i'm just kidding all right all right well here we go verse one chapter 11 of second corinthians uh again this is series is entitled vessels um that is our call that is our cry to not be anything special in and of ourselves because we're not, but to be filled with him that is able to help us to endure and to continue when uh, it seems humanly impossible because God is able and he wants to make himself powerful and, and wants the excellence to be seen in him and what he's done, not in and of ourselves. Verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. Paul's uh, continuing on. He's saying, hear me out. This is crazy. We have to deal with this subject. The subject in general is foolish. It's crazy for them to think that Paul is not an apostle. Remember, they've had issues with him and they've kind of questioned him. Like all these different little probes, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe it's, he isn't speaking to us, to our face. Uh, uh, he's out 
he said he was going to come back, but he, he didn't come back when he said he was going to come back. And, and so Paul's dealing with them one after another. And he, and he's like, basically like my love for you is so obvious that the fact that I'm dealing with you, that I continue to try that shows how much I care. If not, I'm gone. I'm out of here. But it's so obvious. Paul was part of establishing this church. And they just didn't like the image that Paul gave. This is the guy who's always getting beaten and always in, getting imprisoned. And, and as we said last week, was probably in the f- under five feet tall with a unibrow, with bowed legs. And that's what, that's what we know about. It's like... They did not like what they saw in Corinth, which is so image-like focused. And so it was, they didn't want this. And so Paul's like, I, but I don't care. I'm not leaving it alone. Because I love you so much, I can't. And we're going to see kind of like a little bit more of why he cares so much. Oh, just let them do their thing. He's going to show us exactly. And there's a word here for us today. In 2019. So he's like, indeed, bear with me. Verse 2. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He's saying, I'm jealous for you. You're like, uh, hold on, hold on, Paul. Jealousy is a sin. Well, no. It's a godly jealousy. We know God himself is, is jealous for us. There's a difference between je- being jealous of someone and jealous for someone. And this is a godly jealousy saying, I want, I don't want to see you give away your affections to something that will leave you high and dry. So I'm jealous for your hearts, meaning I really, really want to get a hold of your hearts because where you're going to go with this is really important. And, and I'm the one that brought you to Christ. I was part of that. I'm part of the process. And so I want to deliver you well. And I want you to, when you get there, not be all mixed up and mucked up from the world. I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. Like, let me be clear. It's godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ so that you can be pure before him so that he can see you and and that there can be just that fulfillment of what you want. Like this is what you've been desiring and what you've been created for. And honestly, this is the true sign of his apostleship. If If it was just about his ego, he'd be long gone. Like he's like, this isn't about me, it's about... Him. And, and the way that you're dealing with me shows that there's a problem with the way you're dealing with him. Like you're, you don't see Jesus right. Because if you need me to be fancy and to be eloquent, then you don't see Jesus right. He said, verse 3, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He's like, this is what I'm fearing, and this is why I'm jealously yearning for your heart. This is what I'm, I'm scared happened. Now, pay attention. We all need to pay attention to this. And because he's, he uses the example as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. How did the serpent deceive Eve? He made her think that she was missing something. That there was something more. That's great. God set you up. Looks good. 
But there's something more out there. There's something else that, you know, you're just kind of missing. The kids are going through the uh, Little House on the Prairie books, and there was one on tape or on CD. We are listening to it, and I and uh, there was a line in the book, and it was you know it's Ma and Pa, you know they're all hanging out, and uh, and and they had just found this great land, and uh, they made a feast because they're so excited about where they're living, and and it said that Ma couldn't have had there was nothing else in the world she would have wanted at that time. She was completely content. And I was thinking, well, that's, that's interesting. Like contentment's obviously a lost art, right? And of course, they, back then, it wasn't, there wasn't billboards or uh, constant ads based on algorithms, you know, that, that know exactly what you might want to buy, you know. But there, there's something about that being in that place of contentment. And Eve, even though she had everything, everything she could have possibly needed, Satan was deceiving her into thinking that there was something else she needed. And really, what was the thing that she was deceiving, being deceived with was, you basically need to know more things and you need more responsibility on yourself. Right now, it's like dad's taking care of everything. You know, God's got it. We're good. Everything's good. And, and, and there's like this communion with him and everything's good. But you know, you don't really know about the knowledge of good and evil. And so you're kind of missing out on some stuff. This is stuff that she could have easily not needed in her life. But Satan deceived her into thinking that there was something else more pressing, something else out there. And what it really appealed to was a selfishness and really ultimately, just like Satan himself, was it wanting to be God, wanting to be a God. And, and the problem with us wanting to be God is we were not made to be God. We are, our shoulders are not strong enough to be God. And so when we put ourselves in that place, it's devastating the amount of weight it causes on ourselves. And really, this problem is much more rapid than you would think because no one says, oh, I want to be God. But you want to be in charge and you want to be able to deal with everything the way it is. And it's so easy to be deceived. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. And remember, when you're being deceived, the tricky thing about it is you don't know you're being deceived. Like you don't know, like you're like, oh, I'm being deceived. That's not being deceived. Being deceived means you don't know what's happening. And so Eve, if she would have known what was happening, she would have gotten out of there. But she did not know what was happening. She was uh, uh, getting played. And so Paul is saying, you guys are being played. So your minds are being corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. If you ever lose the simplicity that's found in Christ, you should know you're being deceived. What does it all boil down to? If you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're here to hold the whole thing up and where God, where are you? You're missing, you're gone. I need to start taking things into my own hands. God is, God is dead and now we must organize start planning and, and be strategic and, and hey man, hey, it, the ends will justify the means. This is human thinking. This is a flawed thinking. But the beautiful thing is, you think about this, when you came to Christ, the most beautiful part was it was so simple. You're like, oh, I just live for him. That's it. And usually when you come to Christ, you're like, if I go home tonight, that's fine with me. 
Like I, I, I'm, I'm good. I found him. And, and really, ultimately, we, were, we had this when we were uh, at our men's breakfast last week. Stuart, Stuart pointed it out, right? At the end of the day, be careful. If you talk, it's coming out. It's, and now it's on the podcast, okay? But he was saying, like, at the end of the day, it's like, what do we really have to fear? Like, it, it's so simple. At the end, it's like, we go to heaven. We spend eternity with Jesus. And he asks us to trust him. He says his yoke is easy. His burden is light but we're called to cast our cares on him. When you don't cast your cares on him, what do you do? You make yourself the the solution, the answer. And there's a lot of people living heavy, heavy with heavy, heavy, heavy burdens, heavy loads that that we're carrying with us because we've lost sight of the simplicity of Christ. Be cautious. You could just be getting deceived. You know what I'm saying? You don't want, this is easy to be deceived. The, the more complex things seem, it's, it's usually because you have a high personal standard of what you think it should be. And ultimately, most of the times we have issues, it's because we have to understand that like God is in control and we don't like that. I personally do not like when other people drive. Like, I just don't like it. So we drove to Texas, 60 hours in the car. I drove all 60 hours. It's just, I don't, and Tori doesn't, she doesn't want to drive. I mean, she's down, but she's like, doesn't care. She's like, thanks for driving. I don't really want to. And I'm like, good. You know, I just, this is, this is how I'm happy. Okay. Is me driving the whole way. Because I'm like, I know I'm like in that seven mile an hour range. You know, I know the speed limit here. I know where I'm going. And I know if I stay on the right lane, I'm pretty good. And, oh, good, that guy's going way too fast. So he'll get the ticket, and I'll just keep cruising, you know. This is called justification, justifying yourself, and it's great, you know. But I, I, I love it. I love driving and looking at the maps and knowing what – anyway, I like being in control of that situation. But sometimes it'll be like, oh, I'll drive, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Haven't done that for a couple of years, you know, or I rode with someone and you're just sitting there and you're like, what do I do with my hands? There's no steering wheel, you know, there's nothing. I, I guess I could look in the rear view mirror, for, but for what? Just sitting here. So, uh, hamburgers are good, huh? You know, I don't know. Like you kind of get awkward because it, it's, it's in us. We like being in control. We like having things in our control. And when you drive with someone, I drove with my friend to Salt Lake City, Utah, and he's flying. And I'm sitting there going, Ugh. as we're going around these turns, I'm like, that turns fast. And he's good. He's on cruise control and he knows what he's doing. But I'm just sitting there going like, best thing I could do is not look and just try and sleep, you know? Because the fact of the matter is, like, we're in this anyway. I'm like, oh, good. There's a car. Uh, backseat driver. Of course, when I was a kid, I never thought like this. I was just enjoying the ride. Just, you know, whatever. It's all good. I trust who's ever's driving. Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, all the time. But this is, this is us. We, it's so easy to take it and, and try to make it in the way we want it to be. And so in doing so, you miss out on the simplicity. You start making things that aren't complex, complex. And in, in that, you're, it's, there will be issues. You're missing out on like the pure peace of, of knowing that you're walking with God. It's the tree that's planted by the waters that is being, you know, fed and without any effort 
(laughs) It's just being fed because it's in the right place and and fruit is being produced and and you're you're getting less wrinkle lines because you're enjoying it and allowing him to do it. Verse 4, for he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. For if you received a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. This shows how far off it can get. This is a, it's a different Jesus. So one of the issues they had was literally with Paul, seemingly with Paul's appearance and the way he spoke. Which is like, that is messed up. <laughs> Because you can't really do that much with the way you you appear. I mean, if you got a unibrow, which he said he did, you could you know you could clean it up, you know. But Anthony Davis on the Lakers refuses to do it, you know. Which at first I'm like, dude, just do it. And then I'm, now I'm like, no, don't, don't let t- someone tell you what to do, man. Keep your brow. You're a great basketball player. It's not going to hold you back at all, you know. But but it, it's it's. The, the fact that they wanted people that looked good. And so they were willing to kind of skate on some of the, the truths and, and elevate what they thought was the most important, which was image. And so what, what Paul's saying is, is be careful because what you're doing is preaching a different Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus' life looked like? First of all, it was very simple. It was simple, like, he's just doing, he's just doing stuff. And there's people around him, and so he ministers to them. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go over here, and, oh, look, there's a woman at the well. (laughs) I was going to get some water. And that's what I was thinking, that's why I'm here. And so his life was very simple, and it was very not fancy, which is why I think it's largely regarded amongst the Jews. He's not the Messiah. This was not fancy enough. This didn't look good enough. This, didn't, this was not what we wanted him to look like. That's not, the, that's not the Savior. The Savior was coming in power. The Savior was going to overthrow. He was going to be bold and handsome. We don't know what Jesus looked like. What if he looked a lot less uh, beautiful than you would have thought? Would, would that blow your mind if you see a picture of Jesus? You get an image of Jesus, what he looked like? Uh, that'd be wild or what? I mean, we know he didn't look super normal because he had to be no, like give give a kiss on his cheek to know who he was. So he didn't have a shirt on that said Jesus, you know, Savior of the world, and he wasn't. He didn't look Irish, probably, most likely, because he didn't stick out. So he looked like all the Jews around him. Also probably means he wasn't super tall because also you stick out when you're super tall. So it's like, it's that when you, so when you start preaching a different Jesus, when you start putting the focus on things that aren't the right things, the whole gospel gets screwed up because now it's about being important and it's about image and good luck with that. Read James. Think people are important. You think people belong here because they make this much money and they belong there because they don't look so good. It's like, no, 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 no. That is not what this is about. That is carnal. That is fleshly. That is worldly. We aren't of that kingdom. And thank God we aren't. We get enough of that just in the world we live in. 
it's fake, it's phony, you know, like, it's like, you know, those, you weren't even born with that face, you know, like that's, I'm, I'm not trying to, it's like, you can do that if you want, but like, it's, this is the culture that we live in and it's kind of rough sometimes, right? So it's easy for it being, remember, Corinth a lot like Southern California was very fancy, was about image, was about money. But they, had, they were very frugal when it came to giving, of course, you know, to the church. Well, that's where we got to be a little conservative, you know. But they were about their image. They were about their people. So their apostles look like what they wanted them to look like. And Paul says, be careful because that's a different Jesus. Wow. You can go, oh, there's kind of a difference of opinion. Well, I'll tell you right now, this is alive and well. We, we elevate people to places because they look the part, they act the part, they're good at manipulating. We're going to see in a second, it's full-blown. This is actually like can be satanic. I don't think it's our place to necessarily know exactly who is who or what is what. And, and I think we should, a lot of times we're way too judgmental against others, but it's easy to get sucked into, um, you know, the gospel that says Jesus wants you to be rich. He wants you to have everything. He wants you to be, to, we're going to ask God for the plane you've always wanted. You know, you can, if you can believe, if you can dream it, it, it can happen. It's missing out on, why didn't Jesus live like that? Why didn't any of the apostles live like that? Oh, honestly, because they found no value in it. What should that tell you? If they found no value in it, perhaps there is no value in it. Because they're the ones that were actually connected to the real source. So to them, none of that meant anything. So it, it's, it's interesting because it's like, we, we think, oh man, those poor guys. Paul's not complaining about it. He's like, I'm happy to be where I'm at. You're the ones who are miserable. Because you have made a different Jesus, and that Jesus cannot, check this out, cannot set you free. That Jesus can't set you free. That gospel won't, won't clear you up, won't, won't take away your sins, won't let you live in this simplicity. Simplicity, doesn't that sound good? Our culture is, is, wants simplicity, so they say, I'm a minimalist, you know? Like, this is, this, is, this is our attempt at simplicity. Which isn't bad, it actually makes sense. It's like, it makes things more simple and you don't have all this extra stuff and all this and that. The stuff isn't good or bad. It doesn't really matter, but there's like a call out for something to make things a little bit more simple. All right. Verse five, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Like I'm not inferior to the apostles that are your guys' favorites, these king king apostles that are like so fancy and cool. Uh, Paul's going to stand his ground and he's, he wants them to know that verse six, even though I am untrained in speech yet, I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. So uh, even though my speech might not be as good as you guys want it to be, maybe I'm not this eloquent speaker. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Cause remember they said that about him. They didn't like the way he spoke. Maybe it was his voice. He's got like a scratchy voice or something, you know, who knows? I don't know. But even though he says, I'm an untrained in speech, yet I'm not uh, in knowledge. I, I'm the, I have what matters. 
And I remember Paul's not being arrogant. He just knows who he is and he knows what he's called to. And he's called to them. So he's like, I love you guys. So I need you to be free. I can't let you do this. This is not good. I can't allow you to continue on believing that you're a slave to this stuff because you're not. You're called to something better, called to something more. Verse 7, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? It was thought in Corinth in that day and in other areas too, that if you gave, uh, if you spoke for free or, or if you uh, even shows that it was actually in the church, that it meant like you weren't really a professional. Like, oh, this guy's, it's like the street performer, right? There's the street performer that plays outside of the house of blues, Right. And you're like, I'm not paying to see you. So you even if you're kind of good, you're probably not that good. I'm going to go see whoever's in there. And so they had taken that and said, Paul, but Paul had made it a purpose not to charge them, not to make it cost money. But you see these eminent apostles are charging them, are fleecing them. But he says, uh, you guys think that it's sin that I didn't charge you money to speak. He's like, this is how backwards it gets. Verse 8, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. What he's saying is, is like, I used their money so that I could not take your money to I, so I could be a blessing so the gospel didn't get mixed up in all of this. So it didn't get all weird. So things didn't get tricky. Like, ugh. So, you know, especially when you're dealing with new believers, it's, it's, you got, it's, man, I remember bringing some people, I'm going to keep it, keep it not at say a place or whatever, because it's valuable what they're doing. But I remember taking these, these kids that are like hardcore kids that didn't have a lot of money and they're getting saved and, and you bring them to a church that's really big. And there's uh, it was when flat screens were just coming out and there was a pillar that had like 10 flat screens around it. And so, you know, when they were first coming out, how much did those cost? you know, like a thousand dollars or something like that. Right. And there's like 10 of them around a pillar showing the same thing. And it's, it was a cool look. Right. But I remember taking them in that my friends were just like, what is what? And they used some other choice words. Like, what is this? Like, what is this supposed to be? Is this seriously like, and I remember going, I have no answer. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. I get, I get it. it's cool. Like, and that's all the aesthetic stuff. It's, it's cool. And it's, it's part of like, you know, being where you're at and, and, and reaching people and, and doing that. But it, I, I remember thinking like, man, this is a stumbling block for the gospel. The people who really appreciate it are the ones who've gone there for a long time. They're like, it's cool to come somewhere that's fun and lively and vibrant and all this and that. But boy, that's a weird message to someone who's just come in and they're like, Hmm. How much money is tied up in that? And you don't know. Someone might have just given it or whatever. But you've got to be careful. And Paul was very careful in the way he did everything he did. So he says, I took money from Macedonia as a mission trip to come here. Now, we see Paul eventually wants this church to be supporting other missions endeavors. He doesn't want them to do it for free forever. He wants to see them part of what's going on. But he's not expecting that from them right off the bat. Like, here comes the circus. Now give us your money and we'll tell you the good news. So he's like, I did this on purpose. 
And in doing so, took money from Macedonia, and they were a lot poorer over there, by the way, to bring it to you. Verse 9, and when I'm present with you and in need, uh, I I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. Even though I had need, they took care of me. I made sure I wasn't any issue to you at all. But even somehow, that has burned me. Even somehow, that is a bad sign to you. Do you understand how you are worshiping the wrong Jesus? When you allow these thoughts. Now, the the Corinthians were believers. It was evidenced by a lot of things. But Paul's saying, just because you've found, you know, you've come to know Jesus, and, and even you're being used in gifts, and, and there's good things that are happening in your life, doesn't mean you can't be deceived and then taken off the path. That's one of the things we got to be careful of. You're like, oh yeah, of course I know the Lord. I mean, I had a very real thing. Well, but, but think about it now. Are you being deceived? What has happened to the simplicity of the gospel? Do you still, is that still what is where you're at? Where you're just like trusting God, loving God. Uh, Your life is flowing like worship and praise and coming to church isn't something you have to do because you put a star up there, but you're like, enjoy the presence of being with each other. And and it's cool to be around and and you're motivated to want to worship and honor God and, and grow to know him more because it's valuable to you. Or has it become a little more complex? Because you found out not every believer is exactly like you thought they would be. Here's the good news and bad news. You weren't what they thought either. You bummed them out too. <laughs> so he's saying, when I was, when I was present with you and, and, uh, and in need, I wasn't a burden. The Macedonia took care of it. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. I won't stop doing that. Why? Because to me, that's valuable. And, and I will not allow this to take place because this is why I'm here. I will, this will always be the way that I conduct my bit, like the way I preach the gospel. It's to not be a burden to anyone because I don't want that message getting messed up. And I don't want anyone to say Paul's trying to take advantage of people with the good news of the gospel. May that always be the case with us, all of us. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. I I have the truth and I'm not going to stop speaking it because it's what's needed. And just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean it's not what you need. Maybe you feel like the same message keeps coming up and you're annoyed by hearing it. Well, maybe you should listen to it, right? God is speaking to us and he uses people to speak to us. God is speaking to the Corinthian church through Paul who they despised. But if they would just listen, they would be like blessed from it. Because we know Corinth was a mess. And that mess was avoidable. Why? Verse 11. Because I do not love you. God knows. But what I do, I will come. Uh, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity of those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. Do you seriously think I don't love you? Has that not been so evidenced? I've spent so much time with you guys. I love you. I want to see what's best for you. Those that love you most won't let you fall into a pit. 
They will keep on bringing you back, bringing you back, bringing you back. Come on. This is not where you need to be. Let's get out of here. There's good things over there. Stop. Stop. This is not where we want to be. God knows I love you. And I'm going to continue doing the things that I've been called to do and not let the hypocrites and the Pharisees and the liars and the, and the, um, all these wicked men win because they're trying to take advantage of the gospel. It was happening then. It's happening now for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Yikes. That means that there will be people who are acting like they're the real thing, but they aren't. The fruit is what tells the story. But they're deceitful. And if we're not tied in with Jesus, we will be deceived. It's so easy to hear lies until you know the truth. You go, that's not true. No, I actually know the truth. That's not it. And then you go, this is, this is a joke, right? You know, you're like, and then it doesn't mean anything and it has no power over you. As soon as you know the truth, the lie loses its power. But if you don't know the truth, the lie has you captive. This is why we need to know the truth. We need to be, uh, honestly, we need to be aware of what is around us. And this is all of us. When I was thinking about this, like, you need to be aware. You need to be really have your eyes open to what's around you, to what people are saying, what Christ is truly being preached. Because there's people that are really good at looking like something. The only way to know for sure is time will tell. It will become obvious over time. But as soon as you see the path go like this, now you know. When it starts becoming about man or about them or about whatever, now we know. But it's easy because they can transform themselves. They can look like the real thing. And they will tell you what you want to hear. It will be the perfect man-made, perfect handcrafted Jesus to fit your life. You won't have to change a thing. He'll be, he'll meet you right where you're at and it'll be perfect. He'll just be right there. And, and, and anything you think that's what he thinks too. Well, the fact of the matter is if any of us have been walking with the Lord for any time at all, it's a little offensive to find out that God's thoughts are not my thoughts. What is, what's up with that? I thought I knew who's in charge here. This means I'm not. So this is why reading the word, we're going to do the year reading plan again. For those of you who've been doing it, we're just going to do it again because it just keep on running. I mean, it's such a blessing. I've never really done a plan like that before, and it's so fun, just so good just to be stay in the Word like that. And it's just like, man, that is there's so much riches and truth in the Word of God that you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can see when you're, when you're deep in the Word of God, you can see the deceptions around you, Not the ones that are right next to you and the ones that are society like big picture deceptions. You can see it for what it is. And it always leaves me coming back to the place of not fear or panic or anything like that, but hope and peace because I'm connected with him. And I don't have to worry about anything else. This is the God who was willing, who was able to save his people from slavery. The God who was, could sustain us, who created everything again. Who loves us. 
immensely. These people, these false preachers, uh, Poole said it like this, they were never apostles of Christ. Only they put themselves into such a shape and form that they might have more advantage to deceive. Be careful. We have a devil that is is like a roaring, roaring lion, right? He's like looking around, seeing who he can devour. But he can also, verse 14 do this and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Maybe it's valuable to be connected with, with Jesus, right? Be connected with God to have that place because we can be deceived so easily because you're like, that's not Satan. I didn't see the horns or he wasn't red. He didn't have a tail. That's not him. That couldn't be him. I saw a lot of them on Halloween wasn't sure which one was which, you know. No, that's because he can be, look like an angel of light. Remember, he was that. This world is really good at tricking and deceiving us and sucking us in. And, and then you start believing one lie, then another lie, then another lie, then another lie. And then you're long gone. And you say, this whole Bible thing's weird. It doesn't fit the world we live in. Get, get with the times. Well, unfortunately, you followed history a lot closer than you thought. This has been happening forever. It's so easy to be deceived. Take watch. Be careful. Verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. The fruit will eventually tell the story. They will get what they deserve, but we don't want to be part of that. We, we're called, listen, we're called to be discerning as Christians. Called to be discerning, to, to know the only way really to be discerning is to be connected with God. Because otherwise it's it's easy to be deceived. It's if you're trying to do it with your natural mind, you can't see it. You've got to have spiritual eyes. It's like it's like a night vision. <laughs> Something you can't see without night vision. You're like, oh man, there's animals everywhere. I wish I wouldn't have known that. I would have been better off just walking around, you know. Like there's a coyote and a snake and a, you know, whatever. It's, you can't see it without the night vision. You can't see it without the spiritual eyes. But we have an adversary and he's trying to deceive us. And one of the best ways he can do that is by getting involved in the church as false apostles and drawing people away from the real Jesus. I think this is why we're supposed to do communion and we do it once a month in remembrance of him. So we remember what this is all about. That we needed Jesus and he died on the cross. He shed his blood, his body broken and pierced for us. We need to remember that. Because it's so easy for us to not. To get sucked into things and to, and to start making it the gospel about something it was never supposed to be about. Be careful, all of us. And help each other. Just like Paul, when you see a brother or sister in the Lord that's off, help them. Don't think like that you're, you know, like you're the one that's got it all figured out either because, you know, that's that whole plank in the eye thing. But you like in, in love and respect and, and with, a, with like a gentle um, heart, restore and, and correct and help one another. 
Because there might be times I can't see what's behind me. You can. And there'll be times where you can't see what's behind you. I can. We're all going to need each other. This is why community is good. This is why when people live out in the middle of nowhere and they live like as like, uh, you know, hermits or something, that they don't really get to be that much more spiritual. They just become very weird because there's no one around them to help them. There's no one around them to have fellowship and to encourage and to speak truth and to uh, uh, Shine light where the enemy is trying to bring darkness. We need the word of God. We need prayer. We need communion. We need uh, to be able to, to worship him and, and have our eyes fixed on him. And we need godly brothers and sisters that can tell us the truth. So get involved. Find someone. Be a part of that women's group on Tuesday nights. Or when the men's, the men's stuff going on. Be part of that. Allow yourself to be part of that. Allow someone, someone access to your life so they can see things. You ever had someone, have you ever done this? This is like a scariest thing you could possibly do in closing. We're in closing here. Don't worry. And your children. One of the scariest things you can do is ask someone, what do you see in me? And you're like, I've done it a couple times. Like, what do you see? What what do you think needs correct? Like, where is where it's what's good and what's bad? And now, now here's the really tricky part: is you got to ask someone; they'll tell you the truth. It's a scary thing, but it is really super interesting and important to hear. Someone say, "What do you see in me?" And and then they're able to speak to it, and you go, "Okay, all right, there it is." And usually, there's some things you're like, "Okay, I got that. I got that." But there's always something in there you're like, what? You see that? I did not know that. It's like when you take a personality test or something. And you're like, I know how to fill this thing out to be the good one. You know? Oh, yeah. Likes to help others. That's a strong one for me. You know? <laughs> it's like, gets angry when people... No, it's just being real. Because you're never going to know what you are unless you're real. Like the Enneagram. Which one do you want to be? You know? No, it's, it's, you've got to be honest. You've got to be real. And then allow people to be real. And they're like, oh, that's cool that you think that you're that. But you're not that. I know you like to think you're a peacemaker, but you're kind of a pain. You're really not a peacemaker. But that's okay. But having that place, giving someone that place. You don't want to know if you're married. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> There's someone you could ask. And that's real scary because uh, they, they really know you. But that's valuable, isn't it? It's like you want to do your fitness, see how fit you are? Do a test. Do a fitness test. You'll find out. Oh, I bet you I could do 50 push-ups. Well, let's see if you can. Oh, I bet you could run a mile in under seven minutes. Well, maybe. But we can find out for sure today. The reality sets in and then you realize where you're really at and then you go from there god wants us to you to be involved in each other's lives and to as together collectively keep our eyes on him let's pray lord thank you so much for this time this morning and um just for the value of this fellowship